Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. Welcome to Red Leg Nation Radio, your home for discussion and analysis of Cincinnati Reds baseball all year long. Now here's your host, Chad Dotson. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Red Leg Nation Radio. This is episode number 261 of the world's most dangerous podcast. I'm your host, Chad Dotson. With me again this week, RedsMinorLeagues.com. RedLegNation.com, the guru of everything you need to know, majors and minors, in terms of the Cincinnati Reds online. It's my buddy, Doug Gray. How are you, Doug? I'm doing pretty good, Chad. How about yourself? Oh, man. This baseball season started, so it's exciting, right? I I mean, I guess it depends on your outlook, but I, I'm pretty excited about it. Um, yeah, it depends on your outlook. And, uh, so far it's not been a great start for the Cincinnati Reds. Uh, can we flash back one year? And I, this is really unfair to make you think about last April. Yeah. I mean, there, there's probably going to be a lawsuit once we, once we're done recording <laughs> this, but you're, you're, you're prepared for that, right? I am prepared for that. I will, okay. Uh, more prepared than you realize. <laughs> uh, so last year the Reds got off to a bad start. You remember that, right? Unfortunately, I, I do remember that. This year, the Reds have gotten off to a bad start. Not as bad as last year yet, but as we record this, the Reds are a one and four and already on a, uh, a vicious four-game losing streak. Doug, that's not the start we were hoping for. It is not. Um, I'm not really sure that it was the start anyone was looking for. I mean, I guess if you were the Brewers, you were looking forward to that for the Reds because that means you're going to win the games, but... Yeah, no, it, it has not gone well for the Reds, uh, specifically the offense. The offense has really, really struggled to kind of get much of anything going. Yeah. Uh, let me, I put it this way on, on Twitter. Let me throw this out to you to see what you, what you think. This winter was really uh, exciting for me. And, you know, our podcast last week was uh, with me and, and Bill, I, I guess. We, we want to be optimistic. And there were lots of reasons to be optimistic coming into this season. But... After this one and four start, and the whole Nick Senzel thing, we went out to get into uh, that that part of it. But in the last two weeks, the Reds have done more to dampen my enthusiasm for this team than they have done. Uh, I guess it wipes away a lot of the enthusiasm from the winter. Is that fair? I mean, again, I think it just all depends on your perspective. And I mean, I, who am I to tell you that you're wrong? <laughs> uh, but I, I will say this much. The, the Nick Senzel handling of that whole situation, that's got me on a, a, a very different level than a 1-4 start where things have just looked yes. rough. Yes, absolutely. Um, I mean, 1-4 start, yeah, it sucks. I would like it to be a 4-1 start, but I also understand that it's five games, and if they went 1-4 in the middle of July, we wouldn't notice. 
I mean, we'd notice it, but the, the reaction would not be anywhere near what it has been over the last couple of days. Yeah, that's absolutely true, and uh, you're right. It's a different level. I think just a bad start on the heels of the, the Senzel thing when we really did have a great uh, winter. And let me just say off the top here, I'm still very optimistic about this team. I don't want anyone to think that I just in five games I've changed my mind. Uh, there's too much talent here for this to be a bad team all year long. But, you know, a one-in-four start on the heels of what we've seen the last few years, and it's got to be the worst-case scenario for Reds management. You know, they know they upset a few people in the fan base with the Nixon Zell thing, but they had to hope because last year that that awful start 3 and 18 in the first 21 games. That was it defined the whole season. And you know they had to be thinking we've got to get off to a, a quick start this year. And I can imagine there are some uh people biting their fingernails in the in the Reds front office. I'm sure. I mean, it Let's be honest. I, I know that I've seen some local media say that, you know, I can't believe we're, we're making a big deal out of this. But the other day, the Reds had 7,700 people paid attendance. That's not even that's not the people that came through the gates. It was paid attendance. Yeah. Uh, yesterday, it was 10,000. I mean, that's 17,000 people over two games when they went out and they, they tried to do everything they could to, quote unquote, make a splash, get the team better, get the team right, you know, show that they cared and. Uh, people aren't showing up, and I mean, don't get me wrong. I I live here in Cincinnati, Chad. I know I know you're not here. It's been cold and it's been kind of miserable uh, at game time for those two games. But we're still talking. I mean, the, the Dayton Dragons open up Thursday night. They're going to get 7,700 people there. That's that's a yeah. low A minor league baseball team. I, the, the the Reds front office, the marketing staff, that they cannot be happy with what they saw. And I mean, and realistically. Given how the last five years have gone for the Reds, I mean, you're right. The, the start that they've had, it it's just got to be leaving people. Anybody that was even remotely close to being on the fence, just, I mean, I mean, they yeah. Are they going to are they even going to be paying attention next week? That's what I would be concerned about. Uh, you know, I wrote a piece last September for Cincinnati Magazine where I talked about how the Reds have kind of on the verge of losing an entire generation of fans because they've just been so bad, 17 losing seasons in the last 22 years. And, yes, they did great work in the offseason. And, and, no, a five-game stretch does not change my mind in any way about this team and this team's potential. Uh, it does not. But I'm going to tell you this. Uh, 7,700 fans is the lowest crowd in Great American Ballpark history, I believe. Uh, it, for, it was, and it wasn't even close. I think the next closest was like 2,200 away. And that, that comes on the heels of last year's attendance mark, which was the lowest uh, home attendance for the Reds since the early 80s. I mean, it's we're talking about historic levels of apathy within the uh, fan base. And uh, no, we should not panic. Over five games. It's been a, a rough start, although I want to talk about some individual performances. I think there are plenty of things that you can sort of be optimistic about, plenty of good individual performances, particularly on the off, on the uh, pitching side of the, of the ledger. But I'm not going to give anybody a hard time if they're, you know, panicking's not the right word, but if they're, you know, sort of saying, I'm going to wait until you guys show me something because you've been garbage for the last half a decade. You've been garbage for most of my life, depending on how old you are. And you know, I'm seeing the same thing that I saw last year at the beginning of the season. So I, the point that I'm trying to get to is, yes, they had a great off season, but there's going to be a large segment of the fan base that is going to wait until there are some wins. 
and, and that's the only thing that's going to cure the apathy and, and, and the lack of attendance is getting some actual wins. Well, and here's the problem with that, Chad. While winning does bring fans to the ballpark, it usually doesn't happen overnight. You're right. Usually it's about a year later before the- fans kind of buy into, oh, hey, they actually won. We're going to start showing up. And, I mean, with all the, th- all the things the Reds did in the offseason, I mean, all of those moves were pretty much for one year outside of Sonny Gray. Yeah. So <laughs> they're, they're going to kind of head into next offseason, kind of having to do the same thing all over again. Yeah, and if they have a, a season here where they go 500 or, or better even, then it's going to... I think next year's when it will come back, and they can genuinely create some more excitement because they're going to have to do a lot of work this off season again, as you just noticed, or noted. But uh, <laughs> they're not out of the woods here, and and frankly, I want I'd love to know what's going through Bob Castellini, uh, Red Zone, or Bob Castellini's mind right now, because uh, he got the pitching, <laughs> kinda. He got some pitching, as he said they were going to do, but uh, man, maybe they need to get the hitting. Let's talk about some individual performances. To me, here are here's my single number one thing that has been the most exciting thing to see within these first five games. I don't even think it's close. Luis Castillo. How happy are you with what we're seeing from Luis Castillo? Um, I'm going to go with thrilled. Thrilled is my answer. Thrilled is the correct answer, as a matter of fact. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, after two starts, he's 0-1-1. Boo. He stinks. 1.42 ERA, 12.2 innings pitched. He's allowed a couple of earned runs. He has walked seven, but he struck out 17. And oh my goodness, uh, in his second start against the Milwaukee, there were times when he looked, particularly in the first inning, but at other times as well, absolutely unhittable. And you know, fingers crossed, he had a good start on opening day as well. Fingers crossed, we're finally seeing, I don't want to say finally, he's had a pretty good uh, maturation, maturation process, easy for me to say. Um, but I think maybe, maybe he's getting me some hopeful that he's going to turn that corner to be that ace. And I think he's shown some flashes of that in the first two starts, hasn't he? He has. And while, uh, while we're talking about Luis Castillo being an ace, let's just go ahead and, uh, remind everybody that Matt Wilkes wrote, uh, two part series on how Red's Luis Castillo can become an ace on redlegnation.com. Go check it out. Yeah, absolutely. Actually, I, I retweeted those and <laughs> Matt Wilkes does great work and those are great pieces that each of you need to read because uh, he's got me excited for what Castillo can be and, and maybe maybe is going to be. Yeah, I, 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 I'm, I'm excited. And, you know, it, it's been so fun to watch those two stars. I mean, you, you look at the seven walks and you're kind of like, oh, that's that's not ideal. But I, I think that given what we've seen from Luis, Luis Castillo over the last two years, uh, I don't think anybody's going to expect him to walk seven guys for 12.2 innings moving forward. But I, I think that we all don't have to really squint too hard to think maybe it's realistic to think he could strike out 17 guys every 12.2 yeah. innings. I mean, that changeup is just, I mean, it's unhittable. <laughs> it's I mean, completely it's, it's unhittable. unhittable. And. I mean, God, it's fun dude. to watch major league hitters, the best hitters in the world, just flail away at that changeup. Yeah, just, and I mean, they're they're they have no chance. That's great. Oh, I choose to be optimistic. He's only given uh, up three hits in his first two starts combined. So the walks yeah, not great, but his, I mean, his stuff yeah, is there. It it it's it was so far what we've seen is I, I think that it's kind of what we all expected to see last April coming off of his rookie season. Uh, and unfortunately, he he had a really awful April 2018. 
Um, but I think that so far we've seen the guy that we kind of all expected to see to kind of take that step forward that we were kind of looking for last year. I mean, we're, we're seeing it now. And, I mean, everybody that was worried about what he was doing in spring training – um, yeah, right. Well, I bet they're feeling pretty good right now. Exactly. You know, Castillo last year had a good season, as we've talked about, but his April was awful, you know, cold weather or whatever. So I'm I'm really happy to see him come out of the gate uh, pitching like the guy that we know he can be. So, And he's going to have some rough patches still. He's, what, 26 still. I mean, you know, he's, a, he's still a kid, but uh, it's, it's, it's the year where if he's going to be the guy, we're going to get a lot better idea this year who he's going to be going forward, I think. Um, some other pitchers that I think uh, have impressed me through the first few games: Disco, Anthony Disclafani. You know, he only went five innings and maybe maybe pulled a little quickly by manager David Bell, but you know, uh, just gave up one run on three hits. He struck out eight in five innings. So Anthony Disclafani, of course, when he's been healthy, he's generally been pretty good. But that was a very very encouraging first start, didn't you think? Yeah, and you know, I mean, with Disclafani, I mean, I, he's always kind of been one of those guys. He's going to miss some bats. He's going to throw strikes. You know, last year it was just the home run that got him. Well, I mean, he kept the ball in the ballpark the other day, and I, I think that you know, again, it's going to come down to the home run with him because he, the, the guy he's always been, has been a guy who he's going to keep the ball in the strike zone. He's going to miss bats, but if you're going to give up, you know, 27 home runs in 120 innings, that's not going to work. If he exactly and. Really what they need out of him is to be a, a solid number four starter, or five, but that's that's what he is now, and I think he's, if everyone else performs, he's got a chance to uh, to really be good in that role. Let me ask you about this one guy, because you and I have had so many conversations over the years about this guy, and uh, we have not always seen eye to eye on uh, on who he is and what he can be, but Robert Stevenson's pitching a couple games, and of course he only made the roster, frankly, because he's out of options, and the Reds didn't want to let go of him, which is understandable given the former number one pick and just boatloads of talent. He's pitched pretty well in four innings. Not not perfect, not you know, but overall I've been pretty pleased with what I've seen from Robert Stevenson and uh, you know, one walk in four innings, that ain't bad. No, and it that I mean, as you said, it's the one walk. Uh you know, everybody and their mother seems to know that Robert Stevenson has had problems throwing strikes. Yeah. I mean that that's what's been holding him back. Um, I, I think that we all have the eyes to see that his off-speed stuff, it's, it's been really good the last couple of years. But, you know, guys teed off on the fastball because he'd fall behind in the count and he kind of had to go to it. And, well, I mean, he, unfortunately, he's not throwing as hard as he used to. He used to be a guy that would sit 94 to 98 miles an hour, and now he's kind of 93 to 95. Um, but if he's going to throw strikes and get ahead of guys, he's got the off-speed stuff to put guys away. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, hopefully... The, the Reds and Robert Stevenson have figured out something, whatever it happens to be, I, do, I don't know, um, that can kind of get him into the area where, you know, he's going to have control. And if he does, I, I, he's got a future. I'll, I'll, I'll say, I'll right, say yeah. that much. He's always had the stuff. He's just not been able to control it. Yeah, and, you know, I, I think that it, it's really been more about the fastball just control the fastball. than anything else. Yeah. Like, which, which is weird because usually it's the other way around for guys. Mm-hmm. Um, but – uh, he he's he's just kind of been the opposite of that. Uh, well, that's why to... when I've seen him over the years, you know, uh, you're right. It's been the fastball, but when he handles his breaking stuff like he usually can, that's where even some idiot like me can say, oh, "My goodness, this guy, he's got crazy talent." But he showed very little interest in throwing strikes for a while. 
I, I'm not going to go as far as saying he had know, little interest in it, but <laughs> I think it was just a matter of the fact that you know he, he couldn't do it for whatever reason, whether it was because there was a mechanical issue, a mental thing going on. I don't, I don't know. I'm not going to try and pretend that I know what's going on with Robert Stevenson. But. Yeah, well, you know, he's the one guy that uh, – new pitching coach Derek Johnson, he's the one guy that I was interested to see. Well, you know, Johnson's got a, a really good uh, reputation. Is this a guy that he can help? And I don't know. We're talking four innings here. And, and as uh, Nick Kirby pointed out, another uh, one of the fantastic Red Lake Nation writers, uh, there have been a couple, some balls squared up against him, hit kind of hard. He's only given up, uh, I guess he's given up three, uh, yeah, three hits in those innings. But, um, but he's not walking guys, and he's getting outs. And when he doesn't walk guys, he can be effective. I don't know if it's going to be as a reliever or, or something else in the future, but I, I'm encouraged. That's yeah. not a, That's not unfair. Now, with pitching stats, since we're on it, I had a text from someone the other day. Are you worried about Roselle Iglesias yet? And of course, I said no. He's, he's pitched two and a third innings, but uh, he has given up a home run and some and, and some hits. He's not been great. Um, and last year he had trouble with the home run ball. Do we? When do we start getting concerned with Roselle Iglesias? I'll, I'll go ahead and say the end of April. And yeah. the only thing that I'm really looking at between now and then. To see how hard he's throwing. Right now, his velocity's down. That's but it's also been really cold in Cincinnati, mm-hmm. and he's thrown in two games. So the, 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 there's not really a large sample size there. And again, it's it's been in the you know mid to upper 30s in the games that he's pitched in so far. Yeah. So the fact that he's not quite throwing as hard as he was last year or the year before doesn't really do much for me right now. If you want to be concerned, fine. I mean, you know, I, I get it. He he did not have his best year last year. I'm not – listen, if you want to panic, I don't care. I said earlier, if anybody wants to panic, go to it. I'm not going to blame anyone for doing that because the Reds have not given anyone any reason to be uh, hopeful or to believe in them at this point. But uh, with Roselli Glacius, he's had such a long stretch. Even last year, it was just the home run ball. All his peripherals were good. So I'm not I'm not worried about Roselli Glacius after two and a third innings. Um, but again, I don't give anybody a hard time for <laughs> being concerned about anybody on this Reds team. So, any other pitchers that you think uh, we ought to single out? Again, we're these yeah. Are all I, sample I'll, I'll just say that I've been really impressed with Amir Garrett so far. Oh, thank you. Uh, his, yes, his his slider has just been. Uh, I mean, I've, I've literally laughed out loud at a few different sliders he's thrown this year. And that's not to say that his slider wasn't good last year, but I think that it's just a little bit better, a little bit sharper this year. And my goodness, he's made some guys look silly so far. He looks like the, one of the traditional shutdown relievers so far this year. Just, And he started off well last year, but, man, I love seeing that guy come in uh, out of the bullpen this year. Do we do we want to talk about the uh, the offense? I mean, I don't know if we want to, but I think we probably should. All right, well, let me put it this way before we begin. To give you an illustration of how bad the offense has been, Matt Kemp, Jesse Winker, Scott Shebler. Now, I like all three of those guys. But Kemp, Winker, Shebler have combined for one hit through the first five games. Yeah, but they've, they've, they've combined for only 42 at-bats. One hit in 42 at-bats. Is, is, that, is that bad? It's not good. Oh. How about this? Red center fielders, which is essentially just Shebler, but zero hits. But do you remember Billy Hamilton? I do. I, I I do remember Billy Hamilton. Billy Hamilton has three hits this year. Ooh. Billy Hamilton has three times as many hits as 
Shebler, Winker, and Kemp. That's that's what you call fun with small sample sizes. But maybe we shouldn't have talked about the <laughs> offense. It does illustrate how bad that the uh, the Reds' offense has been. Those are three of the four outfielders, and and Puig does have yes, yeah, Puig does have three hits, although he's only hitting one eighty eight through five games. But uh, it just has been a disaster at the plate, and I don't know that. Who can you say has done well so far? I'm okay with uh, what Suarez has done. I'm okay mm-hmm. with Kirk Casale, I guess. Jose Iglesias. Jose Iglesias, yeah, he's been the best hitter. In I mean, I, I think that we all knew he was going to come out and start <laughs> swinging the bat really well, right? Right. Um, it's just it's been a bad uh, first week of the season for these guys, and uh, I guess the reason why I'm still optimistic is there's still too many good hitters for them to keep hitting. Uh, so, no, we're not going to hit this poorly, but eventually it's going to regress to the mean, and uh, they're going to start hitting much, much better, right? Yeah, I mean, Jesse Winker is 0 for 13, and I think he's got like five lineouts. I mean, it, 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 it that's going to happen at some yeah. stretch during the season. It's just happened to start the season, and it, it sucks because, you know, <laughs> as we've talked about, you know, we were all excited coming into the season, and then, you know, the bats just, they stayed in Arizona, I guess, but... I mean, yeah. they're, they're not. I mean, Jose Peraza has struck out seven times in 15 at bats this year. I mean, I'm not sure he did that at all at any 15 at bat stretch last season. Yeah. I mean, do we really think that Jose Peraza is going to strike out, you know, 45% of the time he goes to the plate? No, he doesn't ever strike out. Sure. I mean, it's just, it, it, it sucks. That's, <laughs> that's, that's about all I can come up with right now. Yeah. And did, did Winker have a, a stretch of 14 plate appearances last year where he only got on base once? Did Scott Schebler have a, a stretch? of 19 plate appearances last year where he only got on, ba- on base twice. I mean, okay, it's been bad, and I know everyone wants to uh, freak out over it. And, again, if you ask what you want to do, go to it. Yeah, the, the Reds have given us no reason to believe in them over the last five years. But uh, let me tell you something. Suarez has been fine. His uh, Votto was okay until the last game or two. But you can't tell anything about you know one week's worth of games about any of these guys I have no issues with uh, with the lineup. Happy to see Tucker Barnhart uh, squaring up some balls. That's good and getting on base. He's walked three times, so I don't. I'm trying to look for positives in this offense, and it's really difficult. Yeah, I mean, we'll. How about the yeah, one Kirk, win? Kirk, Kirk Caselli's got. He's hitting 400. There that's, you that's go. what we got. Kirk Caselli, two, two, two for five. Your backup catcher is your leading hitter. Um. The one win was on opening day, obviously, and we should probably just at least mention opening day because that was that was what we were waiting for. That was an exciting win, a lot of fun stuff on opening day, and uh, Jose Iglesias was one of the offensive stars. Jose Peraza, as I predicted on the podcast last week, I predicted he would hit a home run on opening day. Bill predicted he'd have a big offensive day, and he did on opening day, and then kind of went south after that, but... Uh, fun win. Luis Castillo pitched well, and that was that was. I was like, okay, here we go. I'm ready for this, and they have not won since. So they're gonna win again, though, right? I I, I mean, I would I would really hope so. They they'd set all kinds of records if they didn't. I mean, one one in one sixty one is not ideal. We're just having um, flashbacks to last year when we. I kept saying, it's got to be better. It's got to get better. There's too much talent. <laughs> And it never yeah, did get better. I, I, I'm, I'm with you, but yeah, right now it's it's not feeling great. Yeah. Uh, fortunately, I feel that I'm a rational, sane person, and I can see that they're they're not gonna just go one and four every five game stretch. So, 
<sighs> yeah. So, I mean, uh, I would say keep the faith. I'm still optimistic about this team. <laughs> I don't blame anyone that's not because of what we've seen in the past. But, uh, and I keep saying that because I, I think it's, uh, you know, again, the Reds have not given us any reason to believe in them the last little bit. But I just see too much talent here. I see some really uh, big positives with the pitching staff through the first time through the rotation. And the offense is going to be better than that. Um, yeah. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to ruin everybody's day and just say how, even with all of that said, I feel that somehow the Reds just continue to be snake bit by injuries. Um, I mean, you know, well, I'll, I'll stop. Your <laughs> you can mention injuries on the major league level right now. Let's not mention any others just yet. Oh, I, I was going to. Okay. I, I was going to. I mean, uh, the offense is struggling, and I mean, you know, they've got, you know, one of the better hitting second basemen yes. out of the lineup right now. And again, we, we, you know, we talked about Jose Iglesias and how well he's hitting right now, but I, I, you know, all due respect to Jose Iglesias, he's not Scooter Jeanette um, at the plate. Yeah, he's uh, not going to hit Scooter Jeanette. <laughs> right. I mean, he, he, I mean, yeah, maybe he would over this random five-game stretch. But, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's... I mean, it just seems that every year there's that, there's that guy that goes down for the Reds, and it just doesn't stop, Chad. Yeah, that's a, that's a big bat. In the, in the heart of the Reds' order that they don't have available to them right now. And that's part of the offensive struggle, certainly, and that's that's bad luck. The other uh, part of it is we talked about how bad the offense has been and how center field has zero hits. I don't want to talk too much more about Nick Senzel because we've beaten it to death, but... You, you just told me I wasn't allowed to mention any injuries <laughs> that weren't on the major league level. He's a major leaguer, right? I mean, by definition, no. <laughs> There's another injury I was trying to prevent you from mentioning because it hurts my head to talk about. It. We're going to talk about it in a minute, but, um, but you got to think if Sinzel. All right, and listen, I'm threading a bunch of needles here, but if Sinzel had been named to the opening day roster as I said he should have been, and I've been very vocal about that, he would have maybe I don't know, but he can't be worse than zero hits. In you know eighteen plate appearance, nineteen plate appearances, like current Reds center fielders have had, you gotta yeah, think he'd be it, better it, than it that. It is impossible to be worse than O four. Like that's just you can't be negative four. Right. So the <laughs> probability is that he would be better than that. <laughs> yes, um, assuming he's healthy. So, uh, so which, you're right. which he would be if he were on the twenty five man roster because he got injured in a minor league game yeah. that he would not have been playing in. And it's possible he would have gotten injured in Atlanta in those exhibition games, but. It's very unlikely. In all probability, he's all right. I'm about to get upset again. Uh, I, I don't. Deep I don't... breath. Deep breath. <laughs> this Nick Senzel thing really has made me more upset than just about anything I've seen out of the Reds for the last, well, since you know 2012 or 13. I mean, uh... and, and to be honest, there's a lot to be upset about along the way there. Yeah, it's a bad stretch. Oh. So I do want to mention one quick thing. I love the moment on opening day, and I, so I wanted to make a point to mention it when uh, Dietrich hit the uh, the home run, and I know you saw, oh my goodness, the reaction he had to that home run. And, and the reaction that Iglesias had, you know, he almost had a home run, but just the way he was, I thought that was pretty exciting. That, that gave me some sort of positive energy going into it. He went around the bases, Dietrich did, pumping his fists and really excited. I'm thinking, here's a guy that's been with the Marlins, and he's playing in front of a packed house, and the Reds are really going to catch fire here. And, of course, they've not won since, but that was a fun moment, wasn't it? It was. I mean, he was absolutely feeling every last bit of that. I mean, you could see the emotion. 
I mean, rounding first base, rounding second base, right? Like he just the whole way around the bases. I mean, you could see just the the amount of just fire that he had going in him at that point. And I love that guy. I mean, you know, I see him on the bench, and after all these years of having guys like Jack Hanahan on the bench, um, why, why did you have to go there? Rest in peace. Um, no, I just uh, dead to me. But uh, Dietrich's a good player. Dietrich is a flat-out good player, and the Reds had him on their bench. That's why I say there's so, too much talent. So, of course, now Dietrich doesn't have any hits at all since that home run. But, man, <laughs> he was excited <laughs> at that time. All right. So, now, the reason that uh, I like to talk to Doug early in the year, certainly. I mean, there's lots of reasons I like to talk to Doug, as far as no, you know. Mo- mostly just to make fun of me, but that's okay. I get it. <laughs> that's okay. I get it. You accept that. Yes. Early in the year, we're coming up now on the – beginning of the minor league baseball season. And I, I wanted to get you on to talk about uh, what we have to expect from the minor league system this year. But before we really get into your kind of preview of the minor league system, I guess we have to talk about, I don't want to talk about it. I tried to forget about it. I really don't want to discuss this for reasons. If you'll go back one year and listen to the podcast, you'll know those reasons. Uh, and we're going to talk about them, I'm sure. But Hunter Green. Uber prospect, former number one uh, overall, not number one overall, but Reds first round pick. Um, right-handed pitcher, throws a billion miles an hour. He was, uh, the Reds tried to avoid surgery with him, which has worked in the past with uh, with some guys, including Anthony DiScalfani, but he's going to have Tommy John surgery now. So, Doug, what can you tell us about Hunter Green's injury and how we should feel about it? I mean, I'm I'm gonna be honest, and I, I people that are upset about it, if you're upset because Hunter Green got hurt and you want to see him pitch, cool. If you're upset because you think that Hunter Green should have gotten the surgery last year instead of trying rehab, take a step back, Thank take you. a deep breath, and calm down. Yeah, that, that's that's um, not a reason to be upset about this injury. I mean, there's lots of yeah. reasons to be upset, but that's not one. I agree. I'm glad you pointed no, that out. I, I I will speak from personal experience here as someone who has gone through multiple years of rehab to get back to, well, not even 100%. You never, ever want to go through surgery unless it's the only option available. Um and it's worked I, I, in the past. It's, and it has. It, the, the Reds have had success. It's not just that other people. The Reds have had success with this in the past. Uh, both Anthony DiScofani and Michael Lorenzen had partial tears of their UCL. Uh, neither one of them underwent Tommy John surgery. And they both missed. I, I believe that Lorenzen missed two months, um, which his, his tear was not as large as Hunter Green's was. Uh, Anthony DiScofani missed almost the whole year. Uh, but he, he dealt with other injuries along the way. So I'm not entirely sure how much time he would have missed if it was he was just dealing with that. But neither one of those players ended up getting Tommy John surgery. Uh, and you know they're pitching for the Reds right now, two years later. Right, and so, pitching effectively for the Reds. Yes, and the timeline for Hunter Green to try to not have to go under the knife basically adds three months to the time that he would have missed anyways. Assuming a 15-month Return plan from the day that you get Tommy John surgery. Uh, if he would have gotten the surgery last August, he would have missed all of the 2019 season. He would have probably been ready for the 2020 season to start in April. He gets it next week. He's going to be ready, assuming a 15-month return time in July of 2020. Yeah, so a half a season is essentially what we're talking about. Yeah, 
It, it's half a season for a guy who is going to be 20 years old. Yeah. I thought, uh, wait, wait, it, hold on. It, I thought he was 14. He's still impossibly he's, young. He, he is impossibly young. Um, it, it's crazy. I mean, he was one of those really young guys when they drafted. He was 17 years old. So it feels like he should be older than that. But, uh, I mean, you're talking about three months. And don't get me wrong. Like, the, the lost time on the mound, is it, it sucks. It hurts. Um, it You know, you, you don't ever want to see that. You don't want to see a guy get hurt. Um, but if you're one of the people that are upset because he delayed the inevitable, well, first off, it wasn't inevitable. Yeah. Um, but even delaying something that you feel could have been in- inevitable, you're talking about three months difference when the risk reward was not missing any time at all or missing maybe, you know, the first month of this season as he continued to come back. Uh, when I was out in Arizona two weeks ago, he was throwing. Now, it was the next time out that he actually injured himself. Um, and, you know, I, I have not gotten any confirmation about this from the Reds. Uh, but I, I did find it interesting that Dick Williams, when he was talking to the media uh, the other night at the at the Reds game, when they kind of announced the news, that he claimed it was new damage that occurred to the ligament. Now, I don't know if that means that it was a completely new tear or if the previous tear was not completely healed 100%, and, you know, that is what he tore again. Right. Uh, they were not specific with that. Um, but either way, it doesn't really matter. I, I did just find that a little bit interesting. Um, doesn't matter. He's, he's getting the surgery either way. Yeah. Um, but but I, I'm glad you pointed that out again, because I would prefer the Reds have surgery be the last resort, especially when they've had success in the past. And, again, he's young. There's no reason to believe he's not he can't return full strength after this and still be the type of prospect that he was before, right? Correct. And I mean, you know, uh, again, Dick Williams in that inter- that same interview said that there's they they saw nothing in there that would make them believe that it's not just a normal routine surgery he's looking forward to along with rehab coming back. Um, it's it's just the UCL. Um, now I, I I'll go out and I'll say this much too, just while we're on the topic. Um, this, this is not a Dr. Krimchak thing. He's <laughs> like, I know people yeah. want to point to Krimchak and say this, that, and the other. I get um, it. I mean, now Krimchak and another doctor, because Hunter Green got a second opinion last year, um, uh, both decided that rehab was a viable option. And yeah, you know, it's also, we need to make sure that everybody understands teams cannot force a guy to do something medically. Right. It's up to the player to decide their choice of rehab or surgery. So I, I've, I've seen this a lot on social media, too, that, oh, you know, the, the Reds doctors need to be fired for this, that, and the other because, you know, he should have, you know, gotten surgery last year. It wasn't up to the Reds or their doctor. All that the doctors can do is advise them. They can't force them to do anything. Um, yeah, so it really stinks. Dr. Krimchak is not going to be the one doing the surgery, which I, I did find that a little bit that interesting. Is interesting. Uh, but the guy that is doing it, I mean, he's also one of the top orthopedic surgeons in the sure. country. He, his list is a, a million miles long. He did Shohei Otani, uh, his UCL. He's done Johnny Cueto's UCL. So it, it's not like he's some nobody who has done, you know, your local high school pitchers. He's a guy that other teams send their players to, uh, just just like other teams send their players to Krimchak to get his, yeah. yeah. So it stinks for Hunter Green, certainly, and it puts his development, uh, it puts it back a little bit, but it's it's a setback. It's not a, it's no reason to think that Hunter Green can't be a 
the guy that we sort of hope he will be eventually. Now, again, let me just sort of circle back and say, I was, uh, everyone's had a, a good time at my expense this week, which is Did fine. This, this week? <laughs> well, most weeks, but this week oh. more so than others. Okay. I was at a softball game uh, watching my daughter play softball the other night, the night that uh, the Hunter Green injury was announced. And so I was, uh, and, and let me just say, my daughter hit her first home run that night. Uh, just a, a blast. So she is basically Derek Dietrich. But, um, no, she wasn't nearly that excited. I was more excited than she was. But I'm driving home from the softball game. And the game was like an hour away from, from where we live. And my phone starts just going nuts. I'm like, oh, gosh, what is going on now? Because that usually means bad news when my phone's going nuts. So I, I, I pull it up and look at it. And uh, all I, you know, I didn't really look to see what all it was. I just saw that. The first thing I saw on my uh, notification was that Zach Buchanan, and Zach is uh, the Diamondbacks beat writer. He used to be the uh, beat writer for the Cincinnati Reds and a very, very good beat writer. Uh, big fan of Zach Buchanan, and, and I, I just saw that his he he tweeted at me something like uh, you you've done it again this time, Dotson, or something like that. And I thought, oh no, what could that even mean? And it meant that. Uh, that Hunter Green was hurt. And, of course, everyone had a little fun at my expense because you all probably remember when Hunter Green tweeted, uh, I had been making the case last year that, you know, it wouldn't be a bad idea for the Reds to consider trading Hunter Green because there's no such thing as a pitching prospect. They all get hurt, or a lot of them get hurt, and so, you know, it might not be a bad idea to, to deal him in the right deal. I wasn't saying they should deal him. I wasn't saying that I hoped he got, got hurt. But uh, Hunter Green called me out on it, and uh, everyone had their little fun with me, and that's fine, whatever. But uh, so now, every time Hunter Green gets hurt, everyone says, oh my gosh, it's Chad Dotson's fault. It, just, I need you to reassure me. It's not really my fault, right? No. <laughs> Thank you. Oh my goodness, I'm so happy right now. I mean, if, if you had the power to control things like that, Chad... I feel like I know you well enough that you would do very different things than, <laughs> than hurt Cincinnati Reds pitchers. Yeah, there were a few people, and not many. Most people just poking fun at me, and I don't mind that. You can poke fun at me on Twitter. That doesn't hurt my feelings. But there were you know, two or three people who really thought that I wanted him to get hurt for some reason. They had it in their mind. That's how the story had come across in their head, that I had said something about that I hoped he got hurt or something. And I got a little bit irritated by that. But um, the, the point of the, ma the matter is, I'm as big a Reds fan as you're going to find. The last thing I want is for Hunter Green to get hurt. I want Hunter Green to be an ace. I want him to come up to the Reds and be amazing because I'm a fan of the Cincinnati Reds. So, I mean, you you really want future Reds pitchers to win the Hunter Green Award, right? Exactly. That's that's all I'm saying. So, Hunter Green, I know you're listening, and we really really hope that you are uh, you you recover as soon as possible and that you're better than ever when you get back because we're we're counting on you. You still got going to have a live arm when you get fully healthy. All right, that's uh, that's the Hunter Green discussion that we really, I guess, had to have here. You want to talk about the minor leagues? I do. I really, really do. <laughs> you love the minor leagues. I they're so <laughs> look, Chad. Like, I don't get me wrong. Like, I love the Reds more than I love the Dayton Dragons or Louisville Bats or any any of those those teams. But there's like eight teams in the minor <laughs> leagues that I get to follow. Yeah, it's. It it makes it a little bit different, a little bit more fun. This year, I uh, renewed my it automatically renewed my subscription to uh, MLB TV, where I watched the Cincinnati Reds, and 
I got an email today, and that email said, Hey, by the way, your MILB.TV subscription renewed as well. I had forgotten that last year I had gotten the combo package or whatever, get both of them. So I had to go and activate it or whatever. And I was like, All right, my leagues are starting. I got to watch them. And now I get a chance to talk to you so you can tell me who I need to watch. Let's go level by level. Let's talk about the storylines or or what you're interested to see or whatever you think is uh, the the real story about each of these teams beginning at AAA with the Louisville Bats. What's, what should, if I'm flipping on to MILB.TV and looking for something to watch, what do I need to be looking for? Well, it's going to be a couple weeks from now, but obviously Nick Sinzel. I remember uh, him. You remember him? Yeah, yeah. He's uh, he, he's a guy that maybe people should keep an eye on. Um, you know, outfielder. You know, top prospect. Whatever. Um, uh, yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to dive too deep into Nixon. I feel like we've everybody knows Nick Senzel and everything that you know. We kind of want to be looking for with him, and unfortunately, why he's down there. Let me just say this: uh, Nixon Zell, he's dreamy. Okay, I'll just I'll, I'll let you have that one. Okay. <laughs> All right, move on. All right, so there's one guy that I'm really kind of looking forward to in the rotation, uh, Vladimir Gutierrez. You know, if you look at his stats from last year, you know they they're you know, they're mediocre. Uh, you know, solid peripherals, but it was the second half last year in Double A where he really took a step forward. He cut down on the amount of home runs he was giving up, which was really his big problem. And his, his ERA dropped under three in the second half. Um, I, he's probably the guy, other than. Tyler Malley, who unfortunately I think he's probably going to you know get kicked out of the rotation when Alex Wood gets back, whenever that happens to be. Uh, but he, he's the next guy in line behind Tyler Malley, who you know could be that guy to come up for the Reds at some point this year when inevitably someone gets hurt. Uh, you know, he, he'll be a 23-year-old guy this year. Cuba, big signing a couple years ago. Solid stuff across the board. Nothing really jumps out at you. Uh, he's not going to be an ace, but I think that he's He's in that Tyler Malley role uh, where you know he throws a lot of strikes. He's got multiple different pitches. I think his off-speed stuff's a little bit better than Tyler Malley's. I don't think his fastball control and command is quite as good, but yeah, give, give and take a little bit. He's the guy in the rotation I want to see, um, you know, just what he does this year. So that's that's the guy I'd be looking at. The bullpen, you know, I, I want to see what Cody Reed and Sal Romano can do as full-time relievers, and that's the role they're going to be in in Louisville. I. You know, you don't really know how long they're going to be down there because you never know what's going to happen in the big league bullpen. But I'm excited to see what they can do with just knowing that, hey, you're a reliever right now, at least for this season. That's what you need to be focusing on. I really like the stuff that both of those guys have, particularly in a relief role where they can focus on one or two pitches. Okay. I'm with you on all of that. I want to talk about double A. Can, All we, right. can we talk about Double A? Because there's a guy that I really want to talk about, and so I'm going to move on quickly to uh, Chattanooga. It's no longer Pensacola, the Pensacola Blue Wahoos, who did a good job as the Reds affiliate, but now it's the Chattanooga Lookouts again, former Double uh, A affiliate of the Reds, and now once again. And the guy I want to know about is what am I going to see from Tyler Stevenson this year? Former number one pick, catcher. This is the single guy I'm most, other than Sinzel, who shouldn't be in the minor leagues. Stevenson's the guy I'm most interested in watching this year. Am I wrong for that to be my favorite guy? I mean, you're not wrong. I personally, I, I put him probably like third on my list, but there, there's nothing wrong with him being number one on the list. Now, what what I'm interested in seeing in, in, with Tyler Stevenson this year is, you know, he he's put on 
a lot of muscle over the past couple of years. And that, that that's and not in a bad way, not like, you know, big, super bulky guy like Mark McGuire who looked like he couldn't really move. There was no flexibility or athleticism there. Um, he's just grown into his body. He's he's a grown man now. Yeah, he was a kid uh, He was when he was drafted. He was still a kid. He was a high school guy. Right. I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. He's a big high school guy, but... You know, he's he's kind of grown into that that man's body now that he's you know 22 years old. Uh, he played in the Florida State League last year and he showed the most power he's ever shown in his career. My granted, some of that may be due to injuries that he's suffered in the past, but the Florida State League is very tough to hit for power, and especially once the summer rolls around. Getting out of that league and getting let's let's just call it 110 starts between catcher and designated hitter this year in Double A, I, I really want to see what he can do at the plate. I, I think that getting out of that league, we might really see him take a step forward this year offensively. Yeah, I just, I, he's always had the ability. He's always had the talent. It's just it's been an injury thing. So I'm, I'm really hopeful. I was really hopeful Hunter Green would have an injury-free season but uh, for other reasons. But I, this is a guy that I'm really hoping is injury-free, plays the whole year, and we can really – everyone, will, I think, will jump back on his bandwagon at that point. Well, I, I don't know why you would have jumped off of his bandwagon, True. and I'm going to call every single one of you out on it. <laughs> True. Uh, but, yeah, no, I, I think that he's a guy that, you know, I, it wouldn't surprise me if he's one of those, quote-unquote, takes a big step forward yeah. and, you know, kind of vaults up the prospect rankings if that's something that you want to follow this year. Yeah, yeah, because he's still the guy that was drafted. He's just had injury issues. Any uh, Quickly, anyone else with Double A Chattanooga? that you are interested or that you sort of see as being a, a guy that we need to be paying attention to? Pitching-wise, Tony Santion's there. Uh, you know, with Hunter Green injured, he's he's the top pitching prospect in the organization at this point. Uh, I liked what I saw out of Scott Moss out in Arizona. Uh, velocity was better than I saw last year. If his velocity is going to be where it was and I saw him in Arizona, I, I think that he's a guy that could move quickly. Uh, your outfield there, you got Taylor Trammell, Jose Siri, TJ Friedel, I mean, I think all of those guys are future big leaguers to yeah. some extent. I mean, Taylor Trammell and Jose Siri got tools for days and days. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're in the Chattanooga area, go see this team play. Circle back to Tony Santion. How quickly before he's in AAA? Uh, I, I think if he has a good first half, they'd promote him. I mean, maybe even before that. He got 11 starts in AA last year, so it's not like he needs to sit around. And I mean, if he if he shows that he's dominating, there's no reason to keep him there. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Trammell, that's the guy that everyone is uh, in love with, and I am as well. I just, I'm really interested to see how he does at Chattanooga. Um, you said everyone go to Chattanooga. Are you coming to Chattanooga this year? Uh, I plan on multiple trips to Chattanooga this year. Yes, I've been to Chattanooga one time. Uh, when it's, I don't even remember what year it was, but I know that Ryan Hannigan was playing for him. That's when they were a Reds affiliate before. So I'm not sure when I'm going to be able to do it, but I'm going to try to make another return trip. To Chattanooga. Nice field. They do a great job there. I'm really glad the Reds are back in Chattanooga. Yeah, now we just got to get them on MILB.TV. They're the only double-A team in all of baseball that isn't on the MILB.TV, and it, right. it's going gonna, it's gonna to kill me. Yeah, you just smacked me in the face with that one. I was excited about the MILB.TV now. and You'll, you'll, you'll get 70 away games-ish, probably, yeah. probably like 55. I, I think there's um, a few like day games that won't get broadcast or something somewhere, but... Either way, there'll be plenty of games. It just they won't be any of the home games. That stinks. Shall we move to single A? Well, we shall. Begin in Daytona. All right, uh, Daytona biggest guy there, Jonathan India. Um, yes. Yeah, I mean he's 
he had an incredible spring. I had multiple scouts talk to me about the spring that they saw him having. Uh, multiple people in the Reds organization kind of highlighted what he was doing. When I was out there, he'd already hit five or six home runs, and they hadn't been playing in games for a week on the minor league side of things. Um, I, I, you know, I, I'm really looking forward to seeing what he can do. Kind of getting a, a full minor league season that, you know, we. I, I think that last year he was probably a little bit tired towards the end of the year. He started playing in Florida in early February, uh, so it's understandable that he kind of wore down in August. For those who don't follow the minor leagues that close here or at that depth, and I guess if you're listening to a podcast about the Reds, you probably do, but he was Cincinnati's number one pick last year out of the University of Florida, SEC Player of the Year, I believe, and uh, really a lot of similar profile to Nick Senzel in a lot of ways, but didn't have a great start to his uh, professional career necessarily, but I, he was tired, and he did show lots of flashes, and there's no reason to believe this guy's not a, anything other than a blue-chip prospect, right? Yeah, I mean, I, every national prospect ranking system has him in, as a top 50 prospect right now. Right, yeah. So, I mean, if you, if you look at the numbers and you kind of go, oh, well, he hit 240, don't pay attention to that. Don't worry about that. I, the, the people that get paid a lot of money to make these decisions, they pretty much all are in agreement that you know he's one of the elite prospects in baseball. Is there any chance he ends up at Chattanooga this season? Double A. Uh, absolutely. absolutely. I, I think that he'll be on that quote-unquote Nick Senzel-type path where if he has a good first half in Daytona, they'll push him up. He's a college guy, yeah, so maybe you can push him. Yeah. Um, um, we're not going to talk about uh, – we are going to have this conversation on the podcast sometime about how quickly the Reds move prospects. I do want to discuss that with you because we have, we have a disagreement, but today's not the day for that. Anyone else in Daytona quickly that you think uh, we need to be keeping an eye on? Uh, shortstop Jose Garcia is on the roster. Uh, he's going to start the season on the disabled list or injured list. Uh, I'm still getting used to that designation. Right. Um, but uh, I, I, he, he's a guy that I'm interested in. The tools are there. I think that last year he kind of was promoted a little bit aggressive, uh, given that he had missed basically two seasons uh, before that. But uh, he, he's a guy that I, I really like the tools. I kind of want to see what he can do. Um, the outfield is, is interesting there. There's guys that have a lot of potential. I could see it going either way, though. Um, the pitching staff... I <laughs> that sort of explains uh, that, that, it. You're right. There, there, there are quality pitchers there. I'm not sure there's any top prospect kind of guys there. You know, the one guy at Daytona that I'm most interested in, kind of watching to see how his uh, season goes, is who's that? Justin Rock. Oh, our, our good old buddy Justin Rock. Our buddy that's Justin. The, uh, he, that's the broadcaster for those who are unaware. Yeah, Justin broadcaster, media relations coordinator there for Daytona this year. He was with Greenville. Last year in the Appalachian League, and we'll get to Greenville in a moment. Um, well, we won't really because we don't know who's going to be on Greenville's team, but we do want to mention them because they do a great job. But Justin's with Daytona now, and uh, just a really, really great guy, and uh, really excited to listen to him uh, broadcast games there. So, uh, how about Dayton? You know, the Dayton Dragons, they're in Dayton, Ohio, and they're a Reds affiliate, and they have a lot of people come to watch their games. They do. That's actually where I was at earlier today and where I'll be at for the next two days uh, as they open up their season. Um, starting on the, on the, in the in the pitching rotation, I mean, I like Alexis Diaz, who's a guy that was in Greenville last year, just absolutely dominated. Um, his brother's pretty good, too. Uh, closer for the Mariners. Um, Not bad. Yeah. Um, Jacob Heatherly's a guy that there, there's one scout that I knew who, I mean, he is absolutely in love with what Jacob Heatherly does. Um, you know, he's a guy who, he's a very high walk rate guy. 
Um, still very young. This will just be his, his second real season of baseball uh, professionally. Uh, the stuff is it's real. Left-hander, throws hard, good breaking ball. Going to have to throw more strikes, but definitely an interesting guy. Uh, you know, they got second-round pick from last year, Lion Richardson there. Um, you know, James Marinan, who came over last year in the Dodgers trade, you know, one of the million Dodgers trades the Reds had. Um, you know, he's a top-20 prospect guy. Really interesting rotation there. Um, offensively, I, 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 love, I love the potential on this team. You know, they've got Brent Spillane, who won the Triple Crown in the Big Ten last year playing in first base. That ain't bad. Uh, no, that's not bad. Um, big, big, big time raw power there. Um, guy that I know that you you liked, I liked as, as well last year. Jonathan Williams that we saw in Greenville. Love that guy. Uh, I, you know, <laughs> it's interesting. You know, the thing that's always kind of been the rub on Jonathan Williams is he, he struggles on defense, no matter where you put him. He made the best play I saw all spring. Really? Uh, it was. I mean, I I I, I struggled to describe it, but. It was something that if I had told people that saw him last year that he made that play, they wouldn't have believed me. Um, you know, they've got Miguel Hernandez who's going to be playing shortstop. Um, you know, he's been described to me as a potential future Gold Glover. He's a guy that uh, impressed me last year with Greenville. Yeah, I, I really like Miguel Hernandez, another you know top twenty prospect for me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, I can see that. Al, Al Fields got two top ten Reds prospects in Mariel Bautista and Michael Ciani. Um, Ciani, hold on, Ciani. Committed to UVA and then signed with the Reds. Yeah, so thanks, Dick Williams and Nick Kroll. Yeah, really? No, he's he's a he's a he's a guy that was supposed to be drafted even higher, but they thought he was going to college, and so the Reds kind of got him. They had to end up paying more for him, but they kind of got him later in the draft. So I, I think it's I love it. Yeah, he's he's really fun to watch. Um, if you if you like defense. You're really gonna like Michael Ciani. Uh, he's he's a special defender, um, and then you know, one one guy that I a scout really really liked in spring training, who we we again another guy that we saw in Greenville, uh, Claudio Finol. He's the young he was the youngest guy in spring training for the Reds last year or this past year, and I mean they they're sending him to Dayton, Ohio. He's gonna be wow. Eight he's 18 still. He won't even turn 19 for another week and a half. Wow. Uh, I mean he's. Already in single A, yeah. That's yeah, he—he's he, a young guy. I—that's what I look I, at with these guys. If your your age is is low for the league, then you know those are the guys you really need to pay attention to. So that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure where he's going to play. I think that he might be a guy that plays a little bit of everywhere on the infield. Um, you know, a little bit of shortstop, second base, third base, just kind of work him around because there are other. I mean, there there are legitimate prospects that play those positions too. Um, but I. People were talking about him this spring, so keep an eye on him. So we can't really say much about Billings or uh, Greenville because obviously those are rookie leagues. We don't know who's going to be on those teams, but can I say something about Greenville, which is that, man, they did a good job in their first year as a Reds affiliate, didn't they, in the rookie Appalachian League? They did. I I don't have a ton to compare it to as far as rookie leagues go, but you know, even just comparing it to the full-season leagues that I've been covering for over a decade now, it, it, it seemed like they knew exactly what they were doing. Yeah, like, I, everything was top notch. I've been to a bunch of Appalachian League games, and uh, and they really blew me away. So I was really impressed. So let me ask you that before we sort of we got some questions that we're going to answer about the minor leagues. But before we put a wrap on your thoughts about the season, in terms of the minor leaguers, are you still kind of pumped up about where this minor league system is in comparison with everyone else's? 
I mean, it definitely took a hit with the trades that they made. I mean, you, you, you lost several top 10 prospects. And then, you know, Josiah Gray was right outside of the top 10. I That's mean, the guy we saw in Greenville. And, man, he was amazing. Yeah. And so it, it's definitely taken a hit compared to where it would have been, say, at the, the end of last year. Um, but, I mean... But they didn't trade uh, their top guys, though, in the minor league system. No, right? they, they didn't. I mean, when you, you still got... And, you know, I hate to say it again, but the Hunter Green injury does... It, it yeah. does put a, a small damper on things because it does move back the timeline. And, you know, unfortunately... One out of ten guys, they don't come back from Tommy John surgery. And until your guy does, you can't be 100% sure that they're going to do that. So his prospect status, well, it doesn't take a big you know, bump downward. It probably does take a so, little bit of a bump down. But you've still, got, mark, you've still yeah. got Nick Senzel. <laughs> you've still got Taylor Trammell. Shut both, up. <laughs> you know, top 25 kind of guys. You know, you've, you've got Tony Santion, top 50, top 100 prospect, depending on where you want to look. You got Tyler Stevenson. I mean, there, there's plenty of talent and depth in this organization still. Well, that's good news, and they need to come to Cincinnati and be really good. You want, yes, you want to answer yes, some questions? I'm ready. These are viewer mail questions, actual letters from actual viewers. Oh, I love it. <laughs> First ones we're going to take are going to come from uh, Patreon, patreon.com slash Radio. You can go to Patreon and support Red Leg Nation Radio if you want. You don't have to. We're going to be free every week anyway. But um, one of the benefits of uh, supporting us at Patreon is you get some uh, priority on the viewer mail questions. First question that we have for Doug and I from Isaac Starcher. Isaac asks, Is anyone else sick of watching Scott Shebler, especially his atrocious defense and center? On the double hit by Christian Yelich last night when he uh, wrote this yesterday, but he took one of the worst reads I've seen in a while, and it was bad. Probably because we've been spoiled with Billy in center field for so long, he says. I know the year is young, but Nick Senzel, please get healthy. Come help this team in center field. Um, and then he uh, later came back and edited, After watching the game today, I cannot watch Shebler strike out every time anymore. How long? So the question is, well, two questions. Is anyone else sick of watching Scott Shebler, especially his atrocious defense in center, and then next, how long after the estimated two weeks Senzel was said to be out does he get called up? You want to answer that one? Well, I think Nick Senzel is going to be out for more than two it's weeks. More than two weeks. Yeah, I wish. Um, AAA manager Jody Davis actually said it was going to be a few weeks before he gets into AAA. So at it, it, the earliest, I'm guessing that Nick Senzel is probably not going to be in the major leagues before May. What about this? How long after he is actually playing in AAA? How long do we need before the Reds actually call him up? Because he's going to need some game time. I, I mean, it, it really depends, Chad. I mean, do did they really send him down to work on his defense like they said? Or is that just <laughs> what they said because they have to say something? If it's just because they had to say something a week? Yeah. You know, if, if he comes out and he's playing well in the first week and they only send him down for that service time stuff, even though they'll never admit it. Don't get me started. Then then, then a week. I mean, they'll, they'll, it'll be just like Chris Bryant. Oh, you know, yeah, they sent me down after OPSing seven thousand in spring training to work on my defense, and I fielded three ground balls in you know ten days, and then they called me up. Yeah. Apparently, that's how he fixed his defense that he needed to quote unquote work on. So yeah, it's going to be a, a more of a rehab assignment. Yeah, I think back. so. Yeah. I mean, everybody I talk to out in in Arizona, people that. You know, in the Reds organization, outside of the Reds organization, 
and pretty much everybody was telling me that Nick Senzel was the best defensive center fielder of the actual outfielders. I think that everybody also said that Michael Lorenzen <laughs> was the best defensive center fielder of all the options, but I just don't think that it's realistic that they're going to put him out there and actually right. start him. So, uh, to, to Isaac's other question, and Isaac, thank you for supporting us at uh, Patreon.com. Is anyone else sick of watching Scott Shebler, especially his atrocious defense in center? Let me just say that I like Scott Shebler. I think Scott Shebler's a good player. He's a guy that I like having on the Reds roster. He's not a center fielder. He's just not a center fielder. And the fact that he's playing center field is because the Reds are trying to make us believe that Nick Senzel needed more time to get ready in center field. It's it's ludicrous. He cannot play center on a daily basis. He can maybe back up there. But he just can't. Now, he's not hitting well, and okay, it is what it is. It's bad timing for him and for his career and for the Reds. But Scott Shebler is a fine, I mean, he's just, he's an average, slightly above average hitter, and he's a good fourth outfielder, I guess. Is that fair? I mean, I think he might even be better than a good fourth outfielder. I think that he might be a bottom-tier starting corner yeah. outfielder. But I'm either way, I, I think that basically what you're saying is right. He's not a center fielder, and unfortunately, to no fault of his own, he's being forced into a position that he's just not quite qualified to play every day. Yeah, it's it's. I hate it for the guy. I'm sure he's pressing as well because he knows he knows Nixon's else in the rearview mirror, and he knows he's got Puig and Kemp and Winker around him. It's a tough spot right now for him, and and I like the guy. He's never done anything other than play hard for the Cincinnati Reds. So, next question from Andrew Scott Wills at Red Leg Nation or excuse me, at patreon.com slash redlegradio, he asks, hashtag viewer mail in a recent Baseball America article, the Reds were ranked first in most Tommy John surgeries since 2016 with 21 total surgeries. Meanwhile, the Red Sox only had four. What are we doing wrong? And he did link the article. I've not read it, I'm afraid, but... I have. Is that a fact? The Reds have had 21 Tommy John surgeries, the Red Sox four. That's a huge disparity. The the, the average team has had 11 in that span, so the Reds are way worse than the average team. Uh, Now, with that said, there are a few teams that are, you know, right there with the Reds. So they're not all alone on their own. Like, there there are other teams that are in that 17, 18, 19 range. Is it just bad luck? I can't believe that's just bad luck. J.J. Cooper, also of Baseball America, had an article out about the Hunter Green injury the, the night that it happened. And basically, I, I'm kind of in the same boat with J.J. on this. We don't know how to stop people from tearing their UCL. Um, it, it's unfortunate that it happens, but as far as any of us know, no one's figured out how to not let it happen. And the fact that you know Cincinnati, for example, is at the top of that list... Uh, I mean, there may be something they're doing slightly wrong than anybody else, but nobody else has figured out how to not make it happen. Can can you really blame them, so to speak? It's not like, you know, they're, as far as I can tell, I mean, there are little things that they're not doing. Like, I, you know, they're not out there with, you know, the, the Modus Global arm Rapsado stuff, uh, you know, testing their pitcher's arms. Um, some teams are doing that. I, um, I, I believe that there's... I heard something the other day. I, I want to say it was like 10 teams aren't doing that kind of thing right now, and the Reds are one of them that are not doing that. Um, but even the teams that are doing that, they're still losing guys to Tommy John at you know pretty high rates. It, it's not something that doctors 
or physicians have figured out how to stop or prevent. Um, I mean, just take Hunter Green, for example. You know, it's not like he was overworked. The guy didn't pitch hardly at all his senior year in high school. He threw four innings in Billings. He went to Dayton, and they monitored his pitch counts and workload incredibly well. I mean, they're just I, – I, a lot of it's bad luck. I, I really do think that a lot of it is just bad luck. It's possible. I mean, I don't know what to say. Andrew's question is, what are we doing wrong? And I think there is very possibly something that the Reds are doing wrong. But I don't know that anyone knows what it is. It's such a nebulous thing. And so, but that's a pretty stark difference. 21, especially when you consider we've already talked about a, a couple of guys who the Reds avoided Tommy John surgery with. So, uh, I don't, I don't know, I don't know the answer. I wish I did, Andrew. Matt Sheary, our buddy from Patreon.com/slash/RedLegRadio, he asks, "Who do you feel is the most overhyped player on the Reds?" For me, it's Mr. Lorenzen. I think he's an average pitcher, but I think him trying out center field is, is silly and a waste of time. I'll hang up and listen. Thanks. The most overhyped player on the Reds. You got anybody you can think of uh, off the top of the top of your head? I mean, if if we're going to use the term overhyped in terms of how your general casual fan, you know, values someone, I, I, I agree with him. It's probably Michael Lorenzen because of the, the 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 bat and the defense and the center field and all that kind of stuff. And that's not me saying that Michael Lorenzen isn't a quality player because I believe that he is. I just think that in the scenario of what people believe he is versus what he actually is, he might be that guy. Yeah, I think Matt might be right on that, but that's not a, a an indictment of Michael Lorenzen because I like Michael Lorenzen. I think he's actually an above average pitcher, and I think I don't I like what the Reds are doing with him in terms of center field. For example, on opening day in the seventh inning, they uh, inserted him into the lineup to pinch run for Jesse Winker, and then he stayed in the game to be a defensive replacement. He didn't bat, but which you know I'm okay with. I think he there's a chance that he's overhyped in terms of his bat. Although it's it's okay for a it's good for a pitcher, but it's great for a pitcher. Yeah, but uh, in terms of an everyday player, uh, but I do think that he's a good base runner and a good defensive center fielder, and so I don't have any problem with that. And I'm actually excited about David Bell using him in that, those situations like that when he didn't bat. So probably is the most overhyped player, but I still like the guy. Yeah, and again, I want to be clear that I, I'm saying he's overhyped, not overrated, and not that he's not good. Yes, exactly. Brandon Mathis asks us at patreon.com slash redlegradio. Thus far, the Red, and we've kind of already answered this, but I do want to mention it. Thus far, the Reds offense hasn't given us much to be excited about. How much of this can we blame on Scooter being out of the lineup? It's not panic time, but I do think the Reds offense needs to be at its best for this team to be a contender. I mean, I think Scooter, that it's partly Scooter's fault, right? Yeah, I'm pretty sure that Scooter Jeanette is the reason the outfield is, you know, four <laughs> for 57. Right. Pretty, pretty sure that it's all Scooter's fault. But no, I mean, you know, yes, the I, I, as I mentioned earlier, I think the offense does miss him a little bit. But sure. Scooter Jeanette isn't going to make Scott Shebler, Jesse Winker, and Matt Kemp not one for, what are they, 43. Like, yeah. that's just, he, he's not going to change that. I think we can blame some of it on Scooter being out of the lineup because Scooter's a good hitter. But there are there are other uh, contributors that are not pulling their weight, I guess. So Correct. Hooper Powell, it's a good name, Hooper Powell. 
Cooper Powell asks, I dream of a Reds broadcast team of Will Ferrell doing Harry Carey and Sean Casey. So Will Ferrell and Sean Casey. Uh, but Will Ferrell doing Harry Carey. What's your dream broadcast team? I'm going to tell you, my dream broadcast team is Will Ferrell doing Harry Carey and me, Chad Dotson. That's 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 also my dream team. How exciting. That's impossible. We have the same answer. I'm I'm so excited about this. We need to we need to find a way to make this happen. Listen, I, listen Reds, I will pay money to listen to that broadcast. Make it happen. Yes, I'm with you 100%. Jeff Walter asks at Patreon.com/slash/RedLegRadio. There's been a lot of talk about analytics with this new coaching staff. Do you think that it's possible that part of the Reds' slow start offensively this season may be hitters being overwhelmed and overthinking due to all the new information? You want this one or you want me to take it? I mean, I'll, I'll give a quick answer to that one. No, because two of the guys that are struggling, Yasiel Puig and Matt Kemp, uh, the new pitcher, or new hitting coach, is the guy that was with them last year where they got this same kind of information. There you go. From Turner Ward. And the, with, and with respect to, to Puig, certainly. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, I, Tucker Barnhart came out and said this week it's like a whole new world. All this information is available, and we never had it access to it before, which really makes me want to bang my head against the wall for the way the Reds have operated the last four years or five years. Because we've known. Every other team's doing this, and the Reds have been behind the curve. I, I, information overload, I guess it's possible. I really, truly don't think that's what we're talking about. And so, you know, I'm, I wrote a piece at Cincinnati Magazine this week about the new analytics-based uh, management of the Reds, specifically David Bell, and I'm still on board. I, I think the Reds are finally joining the uh, the, the uh, 21st century on this. The, uh, the, the rest of baseball, so yeah, to speak. really, in a lot of ways. I mean, we're behind the curve. We've known we've been behind the curve, but uh, so I'm excited about it. Anyway, that is what it is. Thank you for the question. Let's ask just a couple more. We're actually going long here today. This is going to be a, a yeah. You, you and me going long on a podcast. Who would have thunk it? Every time, uh, hopefully, we'll find out whether you got you viewers are upset about this or you're happy because it's a little bit longer. We'll find out, I guess. Brian, I don't know how to pronounce your name, Brian. You're a good uh, correspondent on Twitter, but bought. B-A-U-T-E. I don't know. Even with the small sample size, have you seen things in the first few games that are cause for real concern? And what have you been encouraged by so far? Real concern? Not really. I, you know, I, don't, I can't think of anything. And uh, we've already answered. Castillo, to me, is what I've been extremely encouraged by so far. Do you have any other answers on that one? No, we're on, we're on, the, same, we're on the same plane here. Yeah, it's, it's really early to get too concerned over... Over too much, I guess. Yeah, I mean, unless somebody's hurt, there's no reason to be concerned right now. Yeah. It's five games into the year. Absolutely. Um, Bobby Cat on Twitter, twitter.com slash Radio asks, How is Nick coming along? Nick Senzel, I assume. Is he out of his boot yet? Do you know the answer to that? Uh, I do not. Um, again, Louisville just had their media day the other day, uh, yesterday, and... Uh, somebody mentioned that he's still in the in, in the boot, but I the context kind of makes me think that they were kind of making an assumption on that rather than knowing for a fact on that. But either way, uh, you know, the the manager in AAA, Jody Davis, did say yesterday that he was still several weeks away from joining the Louisville Bats. So 
even if he's not in the boot, it's still going to be a couple of weeks before we see him on the field. Yeah, he's not. It's not imminent. Bobby Cat's second question. That's at broadcast Bob sixty six. Bobby Cat asked us, Chad. Sorry for the Virginia Cavalier question last week. Did, didn't mean to get you worked up, but congrats on the final four. What do you think the odds are you finish with a championship? Do you, Do you know what he's talking about, Doug? I don't because he said, "Do you think you get a championship?" And last I checked, you don't get a championship. I'm still you get to, not you get convinced. To, you get to celebrate somebody else winning a championship, which I really for you, Chad. I, I hope they win. I do. I'm rooting for you for them. I appreciate that. You've been very supportive, uh, Doug. Obviously, I'm a, uh, a graduate of the University of Virginia, and that's my. I'm kind of. A, I'm obsessed with Reds baseball, but I'm also kind of obsessed with Virginia sports and. The, the Virginia Cavaliers made the final four this week, one year after losing in the first round. I'm going to try to forget that. So thank you for the congratulations, Bobby. What do I think the odds are you finish with a championship? Honestly, because Virginia has broken my heart like 10 times more often than the Reds have broken my heart. They always get to a point where I believe in them and they break my heart. So I'm going to say the odds are, let's go with a... 21% chance they win the championship. You have a different answer to that, Doug? I, I do. I'm going to go with 25% because they're one of four teams. <laughs> Man, math. I know. I'm a monster. <laughs> uh, I will say this. I, I I got tickets, and I think I'm going to I think I'm going to go to Minneapolis to watch the Final Four. <laughs> it may be the last time I ever get to see the Virginia Cavaliers in the in the Final Four. I mean, I hope not, Chad, but I, I think this is a good decision if you do go. Well, I appreciate that. It's, uh, I don't know. I'm still debating, but uh, probably going to go. And, and sorry to all the Purdue fans that are listening right now. I know i got a lot of friends on Twitter and a lot of listeners here that are Purdue fans. That It was the most amazing game. Really probably the best college basketball game I've ever seen in my life it was Purdue versus Virginia in the Elite Eight. Purdue, Carson Edwards went nuts for Purdue. They deserve to be in the Final Four, frankly, but Virginia with uh, uh, unbelievable Kihei Clark to Mamadi Diakite final shot in regulation. Oh, my gosh, it was so exciting. (laughs) Ah, Go Reds. The Dirty Dirty at The Dirty Dirty 84. Listen, that's a a good handle on Twitter. I feel like somebody's trying to steal my my Twitter handle. (laughs) That's true. You're at Uh. The Dirt 24. He's at. The Dirty Dirty 84. And I was born in 84, so like I, I really feel like there's some trademark infringement going on. Wait a minute. You were born in 84. I was born in 84. My birthday's later this week, Chad. I know. I'm going to be super old. You make me feel old because I was born before 84. Is Dusty Baker managing the Reds again? He asks. Not sure why the Reds are playing Kemp over Winker. And let me just say, that was the... I'm a fan of David Bell still. That was the single decision of this first week of games that just baffled me. Which, By which I mean, Matt Kemp started against right-handed pitchers back-to-back in games two and three when you've got <coughs> Jesse Winker. Now, again, I don't know what's going on in that clubhouse, but I don't get starting. And I like Matt Kemp, but why start him against... Back-to-back right-handed pitchers. Uh, were you concerned about that? I was confused by that. Now, confused. Again, yeah, I, I right. don't know what's going on in the clubhouse. There's a chance Jesse Winker was nursing something that we just didn't know about. But if that wasn't the case, 
I'm just throwing my hands up in the air because I'm very confused by that situation. Yeah, that's not a uh, – David Bell has this uh, – he's the analytics guy. He has that reputation that just, I don't get it. The dirty, dirty. I don't get it. That's all I'm telling you. Can I say that again? The you dirty, can. dirty. Yeah. Okay. Chris C. at Cotman26 asks, hash brown viewer mail. Votto has now scored from first base. He's talking about Joey Votto. Who? Joey Votto. First base. Oh, oh. Yeah. Votto has now scored from first base and thwarted a pickle in the same week. Does he have Jedi mind control powers? Oh, you you meant wheels. Wheels, Votto. Got it. (laughs) Exactly. Can I say this? Joey Votto thwarted a pickle. That sounds vaguely dirty. I'm not not gonna land on that one. Let's say it, it sounds vaguely da dirty dirty. Oh, I see what you see, did there. You see that, right? Um, Look at this guy. <laughs> the answer is yes. Joey Votto does have Jedi mind control powers. Yeah, I mean, if anybody in baseball does, I mean, it had to be it has to be Joey Votto, right? Absolutely. And and you know what? These are not the droids you're looking for. I almost get that reference. <laughs> I know we've had that discussion. <laughs> All right, Doug. Uh, I think we probably want to put a wrap on this one because this is going to end up being the longest episode of Red Leg Nation Radio in history. I'm sorry, guys. Uh, it's all Doug's fault. Let me just give a couple thank yous out here. Actually, three. I've mentioned patreon.com slash Radio where you can support the podcast. I mean it. I'm not pushing you to do it because you're going to get this podcast every Friday free of charge. But there are some fun things you can get to, to join the community if you go to to the Patreon site and support us. I want to give big thank yous out right now to some new patrons at patreon.com slash redlegradio. Rich Harwood, buddy, thank you so much. I really appreciate your support. Hooper Powell, we answered your question earlier, and I'm just going to tell you, you've got my favorite name of any of our patrons. Hooper Powell. That's a good name, Doug. I, I like it. Yeah, fantastic. Andrew Scott Wills, you have a lot of names. We also answered one of your questions <laughs> earlier. And I cannot thank you enough for supporting us at Patreon. Uh, we're at redlegnation.com every single day. And Doug, redsminorleagues.com every single day. You're finding great content. And uh, redlegnation.com is better than ever. And so much good stuff going on there. You need to go to both those sites every day. Follow the Reds. He's at he's Doug Gray at DougDirt24 on Twitter. I'm at DotsonC on Twitter. You can find us at Radio. On Twitter, and of course at RedLegNation.com, or at RedLegNation on Twitter as well. Uh, Doug, you got any final thoughts for us about uh, what all we've witnessed here, or in the first uh, week of action, or just any thoughts at all? No. <laughs> no? Doug, I'm a little disappointed in you. I'm sorry. I, I, I don't want to keep anybody any longer. I, f- I feel like I'm taking enough blame for this already. So <laughs> It's all your fault. Go, go Reds. How about that thought? Now you're talking. There I'm going to say also, go Cavaliers. I'll, I'll allow it. All right. For Doug Gray and Virginia head coach Tony Bennett, also DeAndre Hunter, Ty Jerome, and Kyle Guy, this is Chad Dotson saying so long, everyone. Thanks for listening to Red Leg Nation Radio from RedLegNation.com. Subscribe to Red Leg Nation Radio on iTunes or through your favorite podcast app. And join us for discussion of all things Reds at RedLegNation.com. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week.